Hello, folks. This is Mighty Mike McGee over social number six. Today, I want to tell you about my friend, Corinne White. Corinne is a multidisciplinary artist based currently out of upstate New York, spends time in New York City. Lucky, lucky her, being that she is also from San Jose. And San Jose and New York have so little in common, except for uh, something, I'm sure. Lots of good food. Lots of good food. Uh, a slight lack in Mexican food, though, in the New York contingent. A slight lack of good Mexican food in New York. However, that is not a problem that Corinne White has to deal with too often, considering that she does come home to San Jose more often than most of my friends who now live out of state. I got to sit down with her in my kitchen. This episode is its a really mellow, real chilled out vibe. I'm letting you know this because that's kind of how Corinne is. This episode, and I'm noticing a lot of my episodes really do sort of pan out in a, a similar fashion to the person I'm speaking with. That if the person is sort of high energy, then the episode tends to be high energy. If the person is has a real mellow vibe, then that's going to be the vibe of the episode. And Corinne is a pretty mellow person, an incredible artist, a visual artist, a writer, a director, uh, a stage expert, if you will, uh, someone who understands what it takes to put on a show, someone who understands what it takes to put on an exhibit, someone who understands inside spaces that are going to lure people in and then entertain them and inform them while they're there. And that's one of my favorite things about Corinne. Also, Corinne has one of the greatest smiles I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's one of the first things that drew me to her. I met her in my house, in my kitchen. We talk about this a bit in this episode. And uh, I was immediately drawn to her, immediately smitten with Corinne White. And it, you know, it progressed as things do when one or two people are smitten with each other. Uh, and, um, and we have maintained an incredible friendship. Uh, and I am delighted and honored that Corinne would come home to San Jose as often as she does and make such an effort to, to see me and to hug me. Uh, I talk about hugging later on in this episode as well. And what a what a big deal it is and how much of a big deal Corinne can make it. And I I really I love that about her. She's inventive, she's creative, she's such a delightful good human being, such a thoughtful human being, but also not a pushover by any means. And that's another one of my favorite traits of hers is that Corinne is as mellow and as chill as Corinne is. She is also unafraid to, to say what she needs uh, and to express it in a very intelligent way. And 
I, I, I love, I love sitting down and philosophizing, if I may scramble a term. I love to philosophize with Corinne. I love to think about the world and discuss it. And I always walk away learning something from her. Always. Every time we hang out, I am just sort of floored by her, her understanding, her compassion, her empathy, her sympathy, and her beauty. I am so very, very pleased to introduce you to my friend, Corinne White. And now let's go on location. Corinne White. Hi. 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 Um, so uh, we're sitting in my kitchen, and uh, of which we met. Yeah. We met right here. Just about. You were in this corner, I think. I was actually right about here. Oh, really? Where I am. Yeah. The stage was there, mm-hmm. and I was about here, and the, I think Ben was playing over there. Yeah. And there were a couple of chairs, but the way it arched around, I was probably right about here. Okay. Then it might have been maybe the second time you were here that you were sitting against this wall. Because I rem- I distinctly remember um, wanting to constantly look over at the corner you were sitting in. I only went to one kitchen session, though. I, I, in my head, you're right back behind me against this, this wall. Which is lovely. But I yeah no I but isn't it funny how our memories sort of play tricks on us yeah you know yeah 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 um i I've been learning more and more <laughs> like oh man forty six forty six yeah yeah uh-huh. it's it's fine you know it is what it is it's fine I um I definitely you know like I only get sir now sir excuse me sir sir. Excuse me, what sir. Did, what did you get before? Do you get hey dude? man? Oh, oh, dude. Hey, man. hey, dude. Hey, man. I never get dude anymore unless it's friends. Hey, man. Hey, dude. That's crazy. People should be. Yeah, con- yeah it's fine. It is what it is. Society's weird, you know. I mean, agreed. Yeah, like hmm. very strange. Yeah, but I like it for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. the parts I don't like of it are mostly just on the internet. You know that and. You know the violent stuff. I don't like that either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those those are the the top two on this <laughs> top two. Yeah. Well, topish. There's a there, top-ish, we we, we yeah. could we could go on for longer. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, on yeah. Uh, the the crappy parts of society. There's plenty of parts to pick from, and beautiful parts. Oh yeah. So, what are some of your favorite parts of society? Well, friendship. <laughs> Um, community. I think that community is so valuable Mm -hmm. and whether that, you know, the overlapping communities that we're a part of, Mm -hmm. um, whether that is, you know, geographic or within certain kinds of industry, you know, industries or interests and whatnot. Um, and how we form them. Mm Um, yeah, I think that that's a really beautiful part of society. What is the what community do you spend most of your most of your time with these days? Um 
I think that the community that I spend the most time with these days is probably um, a community of of folks that are from kind of well from from here from like you know California. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because right now I'm in California. That helps, yeah. That does help. But also, I have retained those members of my community that are from California, even when they've moved to, like, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually in Kingston, New York, where um, I live, uh, there's a friend of mine who is from San Jose. Oh. Didn't know that they were from San Jose when I met them. Hmm. And they actually went to the same elementary school that I did way out on Pearl Avenue. Whoa. Yeah. So, funny enough, my community is feels very California. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Uh, where'd you go to elementary school? Uh, the first few years I went to Holy Family. My mom was um, uh, a fifth grade teacher there and vice principal. Okay. And then I went to uh, Oster. Oster. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a few of my sisters went to Oster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I went to Capri mm-hmm. uh, in Campbell. And I just found out recently that uh, one of the teachers who brings his class to my classroom for podcasting classes... Mm-hmm. On Fridays, the last teacher I have on Fridays, his class, um, his uh, turns out his father was my principal at Capri in kindergarten through second grade. Oh, wow. Now, then, I, I, and I put that together based on his last name, and oh, which I'm not going to say because, you know, yeah. uh, why should I? Um, however, I had breakfast lunch with my mom recently, mm-hmm. and a breakfast lunch, birthday lunch. And I was like, I had breakfast lunch. Also uh, known as brunch. Yeah. Is there another name for breakfast lunch? Man, we should come up with one. We should. Um, how about Leckfest? Yeah, I like that. Mm, um, a little, little long. A little long, yeah. Um, so my mom was telling me that that this, this teacher's father, the principal of Capri Elementary School, um, came to our house with the school nurse in 1981 because I wasn't registered for school yet. And I showed up as an unregistered child in their district. Oh, wow. And they came, and my mom, you know, was what, 24, 25 years Mm -hmm. old at the time? And she, they they knocked on the door and they're like, Mrs. McGee, we're we're from Capri Elementary School and we just want to know if you have a a school-age child here. You know, uh, we see that he's should be registered and he's not. And she said, yes, I've, I've been sort of lamenting over and trying and sort of flip-flopping on whether or not I should put him in a special school because he has spina bifida. And they're like, well, can we meet him? You know? And so they like hung out with me for 15 minutes and they're like, he should come to Capri. You're like, he should, he'll be fine. We'll, we'll take care of him. You know, I assure you. And the rest was history. My mom felt so much better. Mm. realized I didn't need to go to a special school of any sort. Yeah. You know? And the principal and the nurse like did make it a lot easier for me. And uh, I get to tell this teacher that story this week. 
Oh, cool. Like, hey, um, I know we connected because your dad was my principal many years ago. Yeah. I got another story for you, buddy, you know? And it's funny because I was joking with uh, David Perez yesterday mm-hmm. about how, like, <laughs> like there's the possibility he could be like, oh, my dad? You mean the racist abuser? You know, <laughs> like, oh, my dad, the alcoholic jerk? You know? Yeah. Like, it's kind of weird how, like, you can have... Like, people have multiple histories amongst, you know, I don't think yeah. the guy was a bad guy. Yeah, know, but. no, but 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 people do have, um, well, there is the, the public life, the private life, and mm-hmm. also people are known in different ways, and what is accessed mm-hmm. by others is just varies. But it's it, it just added to that small world vibe of yeah. the South Bay, you know? Yeah. Just how... We're, we're all just crisscrossing the same lines mm-hmm. over and over again. You know? Yeah. Um, I had this dream, this sort of fantasy of like an app that shows you basically your entire trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. So you can look at a map and you can see all the places you've gone mm-hmm. in linear order, mm-hmm. right? And then what it does is you can then like, I can, you know, connect with you and we overlay our maps to yeah. see like, oh, In 1987, we were in the same building. You know, I had an experience that was kind of like those two maps layered Mm -hmm. on top of each other. Um, In November 2007, Mm -hmm. I was on, I I flew into, from California, I flew into Islip um, uh, Airport in Long Island, and I was taking because it was like my mom had points so i was checking out grad schools and i was on the train it was this horrific train ride and i actually completely changed the schools i was going to visit because it would have involved another long train ride the next day um but i mean it was awful uh they thought that they had hit someone luckily the person was alive i mean like one of those things where they really had to stop and do an investigation two or three years later i'm in grad school and my friend Strauss and I are talking, and it turns out he was on that exact same train that night. His sister lives out in uh, Islip, well, near like along that train line. Yeah. And so he remembered it, and I remember like at that time. I think in like 2007, that time in my life, like I think I watched like Sliding Doors for the first time because I was like going through some stuff. My friend Rochelle said like watch Sliding Doors. Mm -hmm. And so like that whole thought of like who would be here was like very much like Mm -hmm. in my mindset of like the the different trajectories. So then to have like a few years later, Estras say like, oh, I was there. Yeah. But he was just like in a different, you know, like, like Uh, super cool. I just had lunch with Julia and mm-hmm. uh, her fiance Hector in their new apartment over on uh, downtown, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's where I was coming from before getting here. And um, they, I said, well, how did you guys? Like, when did you guys meet? How did you meet? And they met during the pandemic through a dating app, mm-hmm. and went on like a couple of like uh, socially distanced dates and what have you. Um, and then, but they both really love like anime and Japanese culture. And so they connected on that. And then, um, so Julia asked Hector, like, have you ever gone to the Obon Festival in Japantown? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I go every year. And, um, and he showed 
then they kind of started making connections and then finally he's like oh well i have video from the last time i went and he's playing the video and julia pops up dead center in the video this was a year before they met yeah yeah yeah. That, that small world stuff is just, yeah, you know, that overlaying maps. You mm-hmm. know, we're all we're all using the same we're all using the same area. You know? Yeah, and so obviously we're going to run into people, but just uh, I I don't know. I'm deeply fascinated with that, like where we've been, where we're going. You know, showing up at the Louvre, feeling down, first time ever in Paris. Yeah, and I'm like, man, I'm so bummed out right now. And then two girls walk up wearing Santa Clara University sweatshirts, you know, and just walk past me laughing in like the most Californian dialect ever, you Mm -hmm. know. And I was like, ah, I can be home anywhere. Yeah, you know, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. There's um, sometimes I think about back with the overlaying maps about like the future, like who, like what friend is that I'm going to hear like I'm hello little friend Zena the cat just walked into <laughs> the kitchen perfect um, timing Zena yeah uh but yes hi um so but like you know what where are we like when we're walking through a crowd maybe not so much a crowd maybe not really walking through a crowd these days but you know, like walking through a space and like, was there, was, is there a future friend that's there? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. not just that the friend that's, that could be made in that space, which is also wonderful and delightful and precious, but also a future friend mm-hmm. um, that you won't meet that day, but you'll meet down the road. Yeah. When the time is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you, are you, who's, who's the, who's the person you've probably been friends with the longest currently? Um, in terms of close friends, I would say my friend Nicole, mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, we met in seventh grade Hmm. they transferred in i think right after school started Mm -hmm. and the amazing school counselor gave us the exact same schedule huh so you were in every class together we're in every class together and i remember um her coming and sitting next to me you know like a little brief introduction kind of a thing so i do feel like it was after school had started because that's not really a first day kind of thing. Like first day, it's just, you're all, you're all there. You're all, mm-hmm. and we had this, and then they gave us the same schedule, except for like, I think she took, or they took choir, um, like for one period in eighth grade and I took guitar or something, but we had the same schedule for two mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jessica Kimball Wherever Jessica Kimball is in the world is probably my oldest friend. And that's why I hesitated. Mm-hmm. Because in kindergarten, I asked Jessica Kimball if she would be my friend. And she said yes. And I feel like that is binding for life. Fair. And I have seen her, you know, we were through, because that was at Holy Family. Um, when I broke my wrist, her aunt like bound up hmm. my wrist. 
Um, I actually, when I broke my wrist twice, by either, you know, some, some roller skating accidents. Um, her aunt was a nurse, took care of it. Uh, years later, I went back to Holy Family after I was no longer there for, um, I think I was there for an event, ran into Jessica, still felt like she was my friend. So I feel like even today, mm-hmm. Jessica and Kimball are, Kimball and I are friends. Um, but how long has it been since you've, since you've seen her? Oh, I mean, I think I was like 14. Okay. So it's, yeah. it's been a bit. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. Yeah. 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 At least a minute. So, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, so I lived across the street in, in Campbell, mm-hmm. California. I lived in, um, in a house with my mom, my brother, and then my first sister, uh, who was born in that house. Um, and we lived across the street from Gary Silvera and his family. His father was the first person I ever knew of who one day he was there and then he died and he was no longer there. Oh. He was older. Uh, Gary was an, an unexpected addition to their already seven or eight children. Oh, wow. Very small house in Campbell. Most of the kids didn't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. They were all much older. His parents were... I mean, if I had to guess, his parents were in their late fifties, early sixties, and Gary was seven. Okay. Like, I mean, they were his—they were grandparent age. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was really unexpected, especially considering how much older they were. You mm-hmm. know? And um, and I remember there are various details that I remember, and one is that he ate he ate honeycomb cereal every day, but with coffee and milk in the bowl. Whoa. Yeah. Serious kid. Serious kid. Yeah. Um, the whole family, they were Portuguese. And so coffee was, I mean, they were really into coffee. Mm-hmm. They drink it. Everybody in that family drank it every day. My brother and I would walk across the street, wait for Gary while he finished his cereal and then go, you know, he, and one morning we got there before he got out, like fully got out of bed. Mm-hmm. And so we're sort of, sort of sitting in the dining room waiting for him. And I was probably five or six. Mm-hmm. He was seven. My brother was probably four or five. And he comes out and he's in like, he's wearing jeans, but they're unbuttoned and unzipped. And he's like tucking in his shirt and he's zipping them up. And um, he's kind of like finishing getting dressed, coming out of his room. And, um, and his hair is all messed up. So it was clear that he literally just got out of bed. And I asked him, I said, don't you sleep in pajamas? And he goes, no, I sleep in my pants. I was like, oh, he goes, yeah, but you got to keep them unzipped at night or you'll die. I was like, and it was just some superstitious thing that he was told or came up with. But if you keep your pants buttoned and you sleep in them with them zipped up, you could die. So Corinne, I kept, if anytime I slept in pants from that point on, (laughs) I kept them unzipped till I was like 18 years old. Because it just became a habit. It was just yeah. like, uh, and it, there was sort of, there were nights where I'd go to bed. I'm like 17. I'd go to bed. I'd lay down. I'd be wearing jeans or pants or whatever. Yeah. And I would panic because I hadn't unzipped them, you know? That feels like the male equivalent of the, you know, the fe- this is a little, but the female version of like, you've got to let it breathe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. So... I can imagine. That, I feel like that's the male version of like, you got to let it breathe. You got to have mm-hmm. it unzipped. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I don't the yeah don't. The, the fumes will kill you. You know the I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I I imagine that it was a constricting thing that you bloat at night, and so if you're you know I don't know I, I don't know it doesn't make any logical sense. No matter how I try to dice it up, it no, I mean no, no, sense. I mean even the you got to let it breathe logic like never right made sense but it like but somebody told you that oh no this is like not even somebody told me that but like this is i think i saw it even recently like on a sort of dated uh (laughs) period manual yeah no but like like a period i'm trying to remember like the clip of something you know like like a preview of a tv episode or something like that and there was i think that there was a sort of like with ladies, you know, mm-hmm. at night you don't wear underwear because you've got to let it breathe. And That's so, so and that idea of it being like some kind of hygiene thing, yeah. um, which doesn't make... So that's why I, I'm thinking that like the unzipped, which is just as much about things being constricted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's <laughs> airflow. I mean, I remember, gosh, I remember all sorts of like things in our house that just like disappeared after time, you know, douches, you know, like I remember there being, I remember them being in the shower. I know, I know someone in my family used them and I know my mom not being, not liking it. My mom was not into it and they disappeared. Yeah. Those were never, those were never in our house, but I also wonder, so my, We've got a lot of nurses in my family, mm-hmm. a lot of female nurses, and I'm wondering if that was part yeah. of it. it. Was just like you eh. don't need, you don't need that. No, nope. yeah. Well, so my mom's experience growing up, and I, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me repeating this because I think it's it's kind of an important lesson. Um, she got her period in middle school or high school. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if she was 13 or 14, um, but it, it showed up at school. And she panicked, you know, and went to the nurse's office. So this was 1968, 69. Mm-hmm. And so she's asking the nurse all sorts of questions. And she's like, you know, like, what do I do with this? What do I do? With this? What do I do? And the nurse is like, it's okay, honey. It's okay. You're going to go home. You're going to talk to your mom. And she's going to tell you everything. And my mom is like, no, she isn't. My mom sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she, she, she knew what happened when she went home and it was not going to be informative. Not in any way. Okay. And my mom told me at a very young age, I remember asking her about it and, uh, and she's reiterated this a, a number of times. She said, uh, you know, I got home, I walked up to your grandmother and I said, Grand, I said, mom, I started my period today. My gra- you know, and then of course my grandmother just kind of like sighs, you know, puts her cigarette in her mouth and gets up and says, all right, follow me, takes her down the hallway, opens up the closet door, the hallway closet door where all the blankets and towels and extra toilet paper is, you know, and she reaches behind, <sighs> she pulls out this huge box, you know, and pulls out a giant pillow of a maxi pad. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, a saddle, if you will. You yeah. Know? Huge. My mom said she described it as, as being just, just absolutely massive. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and my, my grandmother just handed it to her and said, when that happens, put one of these on and then went back and watched her program. And that was the entire conversation my mom had. And so from that point on, my mom was like, you have a question, I'm going to give you the best answer I can. Mm -hmm. And she always did. 
you know, which is why I knew about the birds and the bees at five years old. Yeah. I just didn't know that birds and the bees and sex were the same thing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. I just didn't realize that those yeah. were the same thing. I knew oh, what sex was, okay. but yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like your mom learned a really important lesson. She did. She did. And it's a lesson that, that she passed on to her four daughters, like yeah. the vivid explanation, you know, so. Uh, and I, you know, because uh, my adult undergarments, you know, mm-hmm. for my, my bladder, my lack of bladder control, because they're in the same aisle as most feminine hygiene products, I was always sort of tasked with like, Michael, go to the store. <laughs> we need, we need pads. I'm like, all right. Okay. You know, so it's, it's, it's pretty, it's so, it was so commonplace. Like, it's weird to me that men are weirded out by it. Yeah, I mean, I think that we should be past that. Oh, my gosh. Like, you know, and so, like, whenever any one of my sisters got their period, my mom would be like, so, you know, so-and-so got their period today. I'm like, oh, cool, you know, and so they'd mm-hmm. come home and I'd high-five them, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, congrats, oh, my gosh, this must feel great. And they're like, no. Au contraire. Moan, frere. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay, so uh, Nicole, what was her name? Nicole Williams. Williams. Are you still in touch with Nicole Williams? Yeah, I talked to her before I um before I pulled up. I actually um talked with them. So I'm trying to use Nicole. Um Nicole likes to be used non binary Nicole, Nicole. But um and they're also comfortable with Nikki. Okay. Because Nikki Nikki Jicky that was sure. the the yeah. beloved name. Well, I apologize for misgendering. Oh no. Yeah. So um and so that's amazing. Like I'm yeah, I have one friend uh from the eighties. Mm-hmm. I have one friend from the eighties. Uh and a lot of friends from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um it's weird how many people I'm still, I, I think it's strange how many people I'm still friends with from high school or at least acquainted with, I'll say. Oh. Um, I, I, 10 years ago, I would have said like, I still have a lot of friends from high school. Now I would say that I have a lot of acquaintances from high school. Yeah. Um, that the, makes sense. The last person I actually uh, sat down for this podcast was, uh, was a friend from high school mm-hmm. who I'm, I'm still very much in touch with. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. And how, what was high school like for you? It's good. Um, I was very involved, Mm -hmm. um, with a lot of different activities. That does not surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, like peer counseling and conflict management and theater club and science club and Mm -hmm. just a bunch of different things. Um, I directed my first play. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like I had a good I had friends and just different you know there's the different cliques and I felt like I had a good good friends and multiple smatterings of mm-hmm. different cliques yeah um and I had my core you know group um Nicole was part of that group until they transferred to Notre Dame partway through but we still um saw each other all the time mm-hmm. and I'm still in contact with a couple um folks from from high school but like a little bit more regularly like every might even be like every year or so Mm -hmm. uh there might be 
a phone call or a text message. Mm-hmm. But um, Nicole's really the one that I took with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and who do you talk with the most? Friendwise? Friendwise, yeah. Mm. That is a that's a difficult question for me to answer. I I have three friends that I talk with um uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um So you can't really so you can't answer that question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's all three. It's all it's those three. Mm-hmm. Um Nicole's in Portland. Um Rochelle's in New Orleans and Laura is in um, Wisconsin, Hmm. uh, Wisconsin Rapids. And so those three, um, and I have others that I talk to still like on a weekly, every other week that are still like kind of close, but Mm -hmm. those three are, are long conversations and Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would, I would imagine that they, they fulfill different, different things too right totally yeah yeah it's um it's it's funny when i think of when i think of my buddy fef mm-hmm. um my i mean i don't even call him a best friend anymore he's he's yeah. a brother he's he's uh, i just there's there's never any conflict none none you know i, I think i know what would probably cause conflict between us and i can't imagine I can't imagine why we would ever come to mm-hmm. that, you know, like it would take so much. Like there's just this sheer love, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but then I have other friends who are like that close, almost that close, mm-hmm. but I could fight with them every day. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's weird. Like, I will say, and this is kind of a, a different answer for a different sure. question, but Laura is, probably in many ways the closest in more ways Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i lived with laura for so i met laura in undergrad Mm -hmm. um and it was such a relief to meet her (laughs) it was like you know you're in college and you're having those friendships because you just like need you, you need connection and Mm -hmm. they're a nice friendly person and you're a nice friendly person and we can eat meals together and we can do things and we can enjoy each other's company and it's nice and that's friendship that is but whoa when you get someone that gets you Mm -hmm. and you feel that and i just remember it was the like the last night before uh christmas break freshman year and um we're like uh, packing up for, you know, before the holidays. And she came over to my dorm room like after dinner because we talked and then she came over and I was like doing some packing and just like having this like, it was like a sigh of relief inside. It was just like, my people. Because I was just doing all sorts of like mental head trips about like, maybe you only have those close friends. Like where you, you know, thinking about Nicole and, uh, a friend from fourth grade, April, who I was really close to still at that time. And it was like, so when, you know, when like Laura and I just had that like long winding, great conversation and she just like 
got it and I got it. And it was just like, oh, pretty immediately, I would imagine pretty immediately. Like we'd kind of, we had hung out a little bit before then, but that was like, Mm -hmm. that was a moment of Mm -hmm. like recognition. And, um, and then flash forward many, 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 many years later, um, we lived together for seven years um, in in New York. Mm-hmm. And she uh, she's an amazing actress. And so I've directed her. We've worked and collaborated on a ton of things. We, yeah. So she, I mean, she knows things about me and I know things about her and there's just a lot of trust and closeness and, um, yeah. Yeah. It's just fun. Yeah. It's no, just, I, I it's get just it. the joy of a, and I can say that I have the joy of really good friendships with many people, but she has the most, if we kind of like draw the little points around, you mm-hmm. know, like a, of a circle, she's got more close points because mm-hmm. of she's just, she's also spent a lot of time physically around me, like seven yeah. years. Yeah. Breathing the same air. What, um, <laughs> So living together. Living together, yeah. Name name one thing that really annoyed you about her and vice versa. <laughs> so the the thing that I would always say um was the like the worst thing about having Laura as a roommate is having her as a roommate. <laughs> Meaning the fact that she was a roommate mm-hmm. because um I do enjoy like having some alone time and yeah some solitude i really can that's not like my bedroom Mm -hmm. and so in the time that we lived together i think there was like once that she was gone for like five days two were travel days like getting there and coming back but there were three days it's right towards the end i smoked a cigar like danced around in my underwear and mm-hmm. like drank bourbon and <laughs> and just yeah. like thoroughly yeah celebrated Corinne's own risky business exactly yeah. it was totally Corinne without the the sunglasses because it was like he's not wearing sunglasses he isn't no it's a myth yeah it's one of the, what's that the Man- Mandela effect you heard? that yeah, yeah 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 okay so but yes. I just found that out sorry so but that that's fantastic yes yeah. so. Neither of us mm-hmm. wore sunglasses. But um, I think he's wearing sunglasses in the poster. He, he is. And so people conflate the two. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. Well, like his facial expressions, like the same, basically. Oh, yeah. And yeah. From that it's, moment. It's Tom to Cruise. I mean, yeah. you know, there's like four facial expressions. <laughs> yes. And three of them are very good. Yeah. You know? They work really well yeah. for so many movies mm-hmm. and so many plot lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And I think the thing that would annoy her the most about me I honestly don't know but if I had to guess in terms of like little annoyances mm-hmm. um, it would be that I 
had slash have a tendency of when I open a cupboard, I don't always, sh- I don't always <laughs> shut it. Oftentimes, yeah. I don't shut it. You usually don't shut it. Usually don't would, shut it. Would you prefer to live in a in a house that has a kitchen with no cupboard doors? No, no. Um, but I did create some open shelving for myself. Mm-hmm. I have a cupboard that has doors in my kitchen, and I also have some open shelving. And I gotta say, it's great when you need a plate or a cup. Oh, look, it's right there. Let me grab it um so i think that could be the other thing no i think that that probably would be that would probably be the thing how many times did you how many times did you hear slamming cupboard doors from your room i didn't that's the thing and like so i mean there were things that probably could have been annoying about living with laura um, like, but I, I actually just find them amusing and it didn't bother me because it's like, this isn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. If I went away for any period of time, I would come home to a like pint glass in the kitchen sink with every piece of silverware basically, or whatever she could use, you know, mm-hmm. uh, soaking mm-hmm. in the pint glass because she hates washing silverware. That's... You know, it's kind of like, that was sort of like the price of admission, you know, mm-hmm. of like, I enjoy living with Laura. I don't care that much about having to wash silverware. Okay. And mm-hmm. she, there were things that, it, you know, she absolutely took care of for the two of us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she is one of the few people that, I think I'm pretty e- easygoing in many ways, but I think that she... The two of us were pretty are pretty good about reading a room mm-hmm. and um, are pretty conscientious and um, and so I think for those reasons especially, we were able to live together pretty harmoniously mm-hmm. um, and still want to hang out as friends where it wasn't just, oh, we live together. This is like how we see each other. Mm-hmm. Like we would go and do things too. So. I can really, I definitely, I feel that way. I felt that way with Ben Henderson. Yeah. You know, and who I know, I know you because of him. Yeah, absolutely. So um, living with Ben for six years was pretty great. And I knew the only thing that was going to uh, stop that stop us from living together was one of us would end up you know settling down with somebody else you mm-hmm. know we're both of that age you know um or well past it at this point but um not well past <laughs> it oh my gosh no no, no i'm, I'm kidding. sorry old timer i well it's just this is a whole thing about my solitude and how much i love it mm-hmm. um i'm going to uh we're gonna take a break okay and uh we'll be back Corinne is always doing something that involves a multitude of disciplines, art, art disciplines. And one of those was an event she did here in San Jose, just as things were easing up on the on the pandemic, as people were getting vaccinated and boosted, and it was a little safer to be in public. Uh, she did an event at the School of Visual Philosophy over on the Alameda in San Jose. And I went to this event. This wasn't the first time I had actually seen Corinne. Corinne did this one brilliant thing uh, for my birthday. I think it was my birthday 2021. 
It must have been. It had to have been. And nobody was vaccinated yet. Nobody I knew was vaccinated yet. And so uh, Corinne was had driven across country from New York to go see her family, see her mom, see her, see her parents. And she came to San Jose by car uh, and proceeded to go to a hardware store and buy giant sheets of plastic, like probably several sets of it, I would imagine. And she brought it to my house on my birthday and set a sheet of plastic down on the ground for me to then go and pick up. And then she stood away and we both covered ourselves in these massive sheets of plastic, faces and all, wrapped our bodies in plastic. And and I had said, you know, well, we can just wear masks, you know, and sit near each other. And she said, no, I want to hug you. And I am going to hug you. I said, yes, that sounds fantastic. So we wrapped ourselves, both of us, in our entire bodies in these massive sheets of plastic. I think it's the kind you put down on the floor for like painters, you know, painter painters plastic. And we hugged. And it wasn't a very long hug because we may have suffocated had it lasted any longer, but it was a hug. And it was the first hug I'd had from somebody that I wasn't living with in my pod, my, my, my pandemic pod. It was the first hug I'd had uh, in almost a year from somebody I desperately, dearly love. The next time I saw Corinne was at an event at the School of Visual Philosophy in San Jose on the Alameda. And, uh, and that event was a collaboration she was doing with some artists in Spain uh, for, I, I don't exactly remember what the project was, but it was a presentation at School of, Ar- of Visual Philosophy. And so I went to this event. I saw Corinne. It was very brief. Everyone was masked. Uh, and it was, I want to say it was late 2021. So it was sometime after the hug, the, the big hug of 2021. And, um, and the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, Corinne has been involved with so many organizations uh, putting together art projects. But one of them I want to shine a light on uh, for this break is School of Visual Philosophy. Uh, Dana and Yori Seeger are uh, just two of the most brilliant, kind artists I know. And they run this space that is is not only a uh, is not only a place where Yori does blacksmithing and metalworks, uh, and where Dana does print and design. Uh, they do classes. They offer so many classes in their in in their chosen trades, uh, and then there are also artist spaces that artists will rent uh, uh, to to not only display their work, but w- where they get to work and and create their art, uh, sort of their own artist offices. And um, it just it's such a fantastic organization. And they it's, it's in an old batting cage, baseball batting cage uh, facility. And they've taken it they, and they've turned it into this really, really wonderful sort of beacon for, for art, for visual art. And it really is a school of visual philosophy. Like, take that name and really dig into it, unpack it, and, and really get a vibe for what that might mean. And that is exactly what they're doing. It's so impressive. And they're the kind of folks who welcome folks like me in, folks like Corinne, 
folks like any anyone who who creates art, muralists, you name it, sculptors, painters, designers, photographers. It's a it's a it's an incredible creative space here in San Jose, and it's only one of many that are here in San Jose. But I wanted to shine a light on them because I think that more people need to know about spaces like that, especially my communities need to know that these spaces exist in case they don't already know it. And they're always putting on events and they're a big part of their neighborhood, the Alameda neighborhood in San Jose. They're a big part of their uh, second Saturdays events things like that, where they just sort of open up and it's, it's one part gallery space, one part workspace, one part educational space, and, uh, and many parts, so many other things. So please check them out, schoolofvisualphilosophy.com. Go check them out, support them, and see what they're all about. And if you're nearby, please go take a class. Learn how to make things with metal. Learn how to do silk screening and printing and, and, and you, who knows what. They're constantly putting on classes. Check them out. I highly, highly recommend it. Because not only are they amazing, but they're also my friends. Uh, but we were just talking about how, you know, you have a, a, you have a specialized spelling of your name or a different. Just different. My parents. Yeah. My parents. Uh, my father is an artist, and uh, my mom is also very creative, and they came up with my name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's spelled C-A-R-I-N, and, uh, and it's pronounced Corinne. Um, and and I, what we were talking about was just um, being uh, sort of respectful, uh, and that, that pronouncing people's names correctly once you know or um you know acknowledging how people want to identify mm-hmm. once you know that that is um a sign of witnessing or seeing or acknowledging and also just a simple sign of respect and courtesy mm-hmm. and so um so i do try to uh I do try to pronounce people's names and, and check after, you know, if I have a, a question around the pronunciation, check, see if it's correct. And when they tell me, because there's some people that will say, oh, no, it's okay. Like, it's this, but it's okay if you say it like that. I'm like, you know, I'm like, well, you know. Challenge um, accepted. I'm like, yeah, this like, <laughs> well, I also try to say, like, you know, thank you, but, you know, like, uh, I I'm going to try to get it right. And please, you know, if you feel comfortable, like correct mm-hmm. me because I really want to get your name right. Cause yeah. that's your name. Yeah. This other pronunciation isn't. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there is a, uh, there's a teacher at one of the schools I teach at, uh, and I get their last name. I pronounce it wrong every time. And it's five letters. Mm hmm. It's a five-letter name with two syllables, and I get it wrong every. Now, I I won't now, yeah, because I've practiced it, and I've even worked with her students, and then gave myself a mnemonic for it, yeah. you know, like. But I did a lot of work just to remember this one teacher's name, who I see for twenty-five minutes a week, you yeah. know, yeah. and I will always do that work for names. Yeah, um, I think you know, because I, I can relate, you know, like a name like Corinne, you know, like. 
I can relate with a name like Mike. It's mispronounced all the all the time. time. Yeah, no, oh. I, I. It's rough out there, Mike. Oh God, it's so tough. Michael Matthew McGee. Yeah. Ugh, no one you, can ever remember it. Do they spell it with a C? The M I C E or is yes. it a K? Yes, it's okay. it's all of them. M Y M Y C K Q U E U E. You know, there was a brief period of time where I thought about doing a specialized spelling of my name, and it was going to be M Y Q U E. Oh man! Yeah. Oh, you know, imagine what an insufferable ass I would be if mm-hmm. I spelled my name like that, because that would denote insufferable assness yeah, i'd be like okay yeah. here we go yeah uh yeah. no i the the pronunciation of my name and spelling is that that's that's my parents but i'm grateful for it it's been it's mm-hmm. been a good good name to live by Are, is, there, is there anyone you've known for a really long time who still kind of gets it wrong uh not not really that's good yeah, yeah. um yeah. Uh, what is you kind of you know you 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 bounce around a bit you know you you live in New York, mm-hmm. but you also kind of still live here from time to time. Yeah. I've seen you more during the pandemic than I have in like probably since like, like 2015. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've spent more time in San Jose in the six months in the mm-hmm. past six months than I have in New York yeah. by a lot. Um, what draws you back to New York? What is it about New York that you, I mean, would you say you have a preference that you, you prefer New York over San Jose? They're just so different. Yeah. It literally is apples to oranges. Sure. Um, the big apple to, to California oranges. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, too good. I know it was right there. Mm-hmm. Low, Low hanging, hanging fruit. fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Too good. Oh, man. Too good. Oh, yikes. This okay, is yeah. one of many reasons I love you so much. I love much. you, too. So much. Um, so the part of New York that I live in is the Hudson Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to live in the city. I, li- I lived in the city for a couple of years. Um, but the Hudson Valley actually reminds me a lot of the San Jose that I grew up in and this area in general. Um, it's a valley. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. It's near water. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have the Hudson River. And there are there's a vibrant art scene. Um, a long legacy of from different art artists and art movements um, in all disciplines, which is just really kind of rich to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and access to just really interesting like culture, right? In terms of museums and performances. I live near farms. I live near like wonderful farms. I live in a, a city, a small city, mm-hmm. but um, San Jose also has that kind of like, while because in a way that it's so sprawling, you do have a feeling sometimes of like a small townish feel like we talked mm-hmm. about. Um, so in my experience in Kingston, it's kind of like being in a part of San Jose. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's these, these ways that it mirrors. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself 
drawn back to New York, I think, because again, it, it does remind me in many ways of, of home, like where, like original home. But there's also um, a directness that I have experienced in culturally in, in communication, a directness that I've experienced in New York and in the Northeast that I think for this California girl who can be very roundabout and have very circuitous, you know, conversations, like can be very complimentary, can mm. be very helpful and can be very um, useful. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the things I learned, I remember, I don't even remember who told me, it was probably somebody from Boston because mm-hmm. it was, it was certainly a person who had no, uh, no favorable opinions of California or New York. <laughs> Great. Uh, but it was, they said, uh, it, but it might have been a New Yorker who mm-hmm. said it. And they said, um, they said, uh, when a Californian or when a Calif- when a New Yorker says hello, no, I'm messing it up. Take two. <laughs> uh, when a New Yorker says, hey, fuck you, they're saying hello. When a Californian says hello, they're saying fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, and I, I think that speaks to that directness. Yeah, yeah. and um, there, there can be. Um, I find that the there's a lot of really genuine friendliness and warmth, tr- true everywhere. But I find that to be very much the case. Um, while I in in New York, um, while I do find maybe a little more common than I would like. Um, and not just California, but like Pacific Northwest. I think mm-hmm. it's a Pacific Northwest kind of deal mm-hmm. um, for sure of a friendliness that is a, which is, I mean, hey, courtesy is, that's useful. That helps society, right? Mm-hmm. But a friendliness that really is uh, maybe very surface mm-hmm. level, very just perfunctory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I find myself drawn to New York to, to keep going back. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find myself also drawn to home. Like I, there's, there's home and there's home, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, so I do spend, um, a lot of time in California like for example in the past six months I haven't spent two months in New York mm-hmm. yeah and you're um, you're teaching currently I work um, not not teaching so much. I do I do teach so, some workshops mm-hmm. but I uh, work with writers so I do writing consulting okay um, and and then I also uh, create theater Mm-hmm. So I'm still working on some projects right now. And is it has it all been online since you since the pandemic? Um, the stuff you're doing in say New York. Uh, in terms of the writing consulting, mm-hmm. that's all been online. Mm-hmm. In terms of theater, um, I did so the first summer of the pandemic, so 2020. Um, I did create with two wonderful collaborators. Um, that are based in Spain. Uh, it's also 
Ribaran and Herman de la Riva, the three of us created a piece for Art Park, which is up in Western New York, called The Art of Walking. And so it was a performance piece um, that was able to be performed, you know, masked, socially distanced, mm-hmm. you know, with um, also a, a cap on how many folks would be able to attend a performance. So that was pretty incredible to do some live live rehearsal mm-hmm. and live performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I how think, did, period. Yeah. How did, how did you connect with two artists from Spain? Um, it was really kind of a, a match made by um, Sonia Clark, who's the president of Art Park. Mm-hmm. So she knows my work very well. Um, you mm-hmm. met her. Um, and she's awesome. She is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and an, another really good friend mm-hmm. um, and wonderful advocate for the arts. And so she had seen uh, Chasa and Herman perform in Terraga at a festival and talked to me about what they were doing and was thinking about how they might be able to bring something like the walk that they created in Terraga to Art Park. And so one November, uh, it also came for a site visit and I drove up from Kingston up to uh, Art Park and we we hung out and talked and walked and we cooked uh, dinner together mm-hmm. um, and and just basically kind of like sussed out like okay like could does th- does this person t- seem like could we be collaborators does mm-hmm. this seem like we could make something together mm-hmm. and it clicked and um, and then we started meeting remotely because she went back to Spain and I met her mom online um mm-hmm. and for the better part of like a year and a half you know um it was all just mm-hmm. talking with them online so you met pre-pandemic yeah i met initially. her the november i met also pre-pandemic the november before it started and then i met her mom in person this mm-hmm. summer do you do you feel like you want to work with them again oh yeah 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 they have become really dear collaborators um, we've done a couple different things since, smaller, mm-hmm. um, and friends. Mm-hmm. They are just two amazing artists and human beings, and mm-hmm. I feel very grateful to work with them and to know them, and I'm very proud of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm proud of the work you do. And a lot of it I've had to see from a distance, but I have, I mean, I, I feel lucky that I've had an opportunity to participate in at least one thing you've done. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty wild. Uh, definitely the most costuming I've ever worn in my life. Yes. Yeah. So um, Mike got to be a water fairy, officiant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was and marrying Earth and earth and wind, wind. Yeah, yeah yeah um so this was a huge fairy house festival that involved um like international circus and street performer performing artists um and i mean it was huge we had like two thousand people mm-hmm. that came to the festival um and 
we staged a fairy wedding mm-hmm. and and Mike, you did a great job. Well, thanks. I remember um, when you pronounced them, I think that their last name was McGillicuddy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that, 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 that one's a gem that you like. <laughs> um, McGillicuddy is sort of my go-to, go-to weirdly long name. Yeah. That sounds made up and it isn't. It isn't, and it's really great for fairies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, fairies, I think if they're gonna have a last name, it's probably gonna be Irish, you yeah. know? McGillicuddy works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. So, um, gosh, I, I feel like there's so many things that I want to ask you, and I think, I think some, some stuff's just going to have to wait for a later, a later time um, because I'm, I'm so acutely aware of this being a podcast and there's time involved and that I have to be aware of it, and it's so strange, you know? Yeah. It's such a weird thing because we could talk for so long. Oh, and we have. I mean, not not today. We've. No, this is nothing. This This is is nothing. But we could. We haven't even dinged the enamel on this. No. But I'm also limited on time because I'm going to go do other things in a moment. But um, what do you look for in people? You know, when you're you're meeting someone, whether it's an artist you're going to work with or. Or someone like, do you, are you the kind of person that can tell when you're going to be friends with somebody right away? Or do you suss them out longer? Like, okay, well, I'll just ask directly. Yeah. When did you know you and I were going to be friends? I didn't think that we weren't going to be friends. Okay. But I didn't, um, so it wasn't that I assumed we would, but it's sort of like, Friendship kind of like arrives like a train into a station, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, and yes, you can see like a train arriving. There might be a moment where you clock things, but mm-hmm. it, I don't. I mean, there is Jessica Kimball where I said, "Will you be my friend?" She said yes, and like that's right. locked in for life. Locked in for life. But um, which is funny because there's probably people in your life who've done more contractually. To be your friend, and yet you didn't. It didn't. I'm like, it didn't stick. It wasn't Jessica you know, Campbell yeah, all the way. Right. Um, she also was a good friend. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, no, totally. She also fair. was. Yeah. Um, so her actions did follow mm-hmm. follow uh, those words, but yeah, I first time I met you I know we had a great conversation we did we had a fantastic conversation I couldn't tell you anything we talked about I have but, zero recollection of that but, but the feeling afterward was good it was great yeah um and I think we were already friends by this moment but like you gave me but it was still early like we maybe early hangout maybe one or two hangouts mm-hmm but you gave me um, a tote that had the sauerkraut that you had made. Mm. And I think it was like from a German festival or something like that you'd gone to. Okay. Got a lot of totes. Oh, yep, yep. And, um, and you did, said that you didn't need the tote back. And I thought it was a pretty cool tote. You used it until it fell apart. Really? Yeah, it, it's no longer with us. I wonder, I think I know, I bet I know which, I bet I know which festival it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was black. With uh-huh. like blue, a blue figure that was kind of like illustration mm-hmm. on it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew 
I well, I knew I really wanted to hang out with you after the first time we hung out. Oh, totally. I was like, I have to know this woman. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think I had an immediate crush on you immediately. I was just like, because you have this smile, and I and I want to take a picture together with you okay. before you leave, um, so that people can see this beaming smile, this this like, you know, three thousand watt <laughs> headlight <laughs> smile, you know. Um, and I just thought I am. It's it's going to be real easy to be smitten with you, mm. real easy. Um, and um, you know, and I mean, like ugh, we, I mean, we can go on and on about that and where that led us to, mm-hmm. you know, um, we'll save that for another time. Mm-hmm. We'll save that for another conversation, but it's no, there's no question that we liked each other. Yeah. Um, and I think, th- and I, you know, I think there will always be at least some of that, mm-hmm. you know, between us and I love it, yeah. you know? Um, but I knew that I had love for you, even if it just, even if it's just, just as, dear friends Mm -hmm. in far less time than I have with family members, you know, in far less time than I have with, you know, some of my closest friends. I was like, no, I love Corinne White. I love her. And it, it, it's not always, you know, there was a point where, yeah, it was uh, some, there's romantic love there and, and it's, it's faded and shifted. And sometimes it comes back to that. And it's, and I think that's the way it is with everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm blown away at how fast it was, how quickly I felt that, and and that that has never subsided. You know? Yeah. Um, and Gosh, I'm lucky. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I it's mutual. You. You I know? love you. I know, and that, and I, and it's it's such a good feeling. It is such a good feeling to have that with you. You know, and um. I'm, you know, I can only imagine. I would love to ask you questions like, what annoys you about me? <laughs> you know, I want to know, like, you know, like if we lived together, what would, what would I need to stop doing? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have the real answer. I prob- until we, yeah, until I we probably lived wouldn't together. know. Yeah. 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 Um, like, oh, no, it wasn't that thing. No. It was this thing. Yeah. Oh, shit. I didn't know you even did that. <laughs> yeah. Now that I know you do that thing, that's it. Mm-hmm. You're paying all the rent. Um, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm going to ask you my two last questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and say that uh, the next time we sit down and have mm-hmm. a conversation will be when I come to visit you. Oh, that would be lovely. And I want that to happen within the year. Great. Yeah. So maybe next summer um, yeah. if you're... If you're in New York, um, it'd be really cool to experience different parts of New York with you, you know, mm-hmm. to see, uh, obviously Kingston, yeah, but, but to see also, you know, Manhattan and, yeah. you know, various other parts, um, go to some of your favorite places. Um, because New Yorker, New Yorkers, like people who've been there for a long time or were born and raised there, mm-hmm. they won't do it. They won't take you to... Yeah. You're like, well, we'll go to this bodega and we'll get the bagels here, but that's it. I'm not yeah. taking you to like the secret Mexican food spot, which is really hard to find in New York City. Uh, Mexican food is, there are some places that I will go, but like, oh. Oof. It's not the same. It's 
It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but Puerto I, Rican food. Of course. Yeah. Dominican, for sure. Yeah. Um, the, I have, there are places I go for Mexican food. There are places that I go for Vietnamese food. When I come back to San Jose, mm-hmm. I, there's a lot of great food here. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like go to like I I pretty much alternate between if I'm going out I'm alternating between Vietnamese and Mexican yeah. food because I'm just like well we we have it gotta fill up we have it gotta We've, fill my heart up oh yeah oh yeah not I, just the belly no I agree um, okay so do you have any advice for anyone listening? Who uh, that you that you've you've picked up, you know, just a, a, a nugget, a nugget of wisdom that you've picked up. Maybe you got it from somebody else. Um, with regard to friends, family, folks, uh, relationships, lovers. Yeah. Is there a is there a you know like you you read you, you've been drinking tea this whole time mm-hmm. and um, you've gone through two tea bags during mm-hmm. this interview and they they both had nuggets on them. I'm actually going to give one of these nuggets, but maybe I'll get follow up with another one. This isn't about relationships, but this is just good. Uh, no one ever died from sleeping in an unmade bed. So who said that? Uh, that was Irma Bombeck. Irma Bombeck. Yeah. Do you know Irma Bombeck? Mm-hmm. Irma Bombeck was like, I don't think she's alive anymore, but she was a, a relatively modern author. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was sort of that, um, um, real sassy chicken soup for the soul kind of writer yeah you know real like um um i think she was probably probably a homemaker Mm -hmm. and realized that she had a knack for like sort of making things easier for people you know Mm -hmm. in in just in the way she explained things you know and that just turned into a publishing career and uh she's kind of like the julia child of advice and um witticism you know yeah um really kind of cool my mom loved reading her back in the day in the 80s yeah that's great yeah um so advice in regards to friendship um i think that something that's been valuable for me both in terms of friendship and also partners like romantic partners is just remembering that um, you have space in your life for a lot of different people and the gifts that they bring to you, um, that they bring into your life, you know, help you both see different parts of yourself and help them see different parts of themselves. And, um, And so, like, with a partner, like, the idea of, like, a single partner or you know if you're polyamorous that that there's a set number or or certain partners that are going to be your all that that doesn't really work out for folks that actually you know um you know and same thing with friends like you know having a best friend sometimes it's good to have like a couple really good close friends so when i mentioned like those those that trio of folks um, they offer different things. And so I think that keeping that in mind and also really remembering that relationships go in flux. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, that person, whether they're a friend or a partner, um, that that relationship is going to shift and evolve. And if you can give space for it, let's just make it a friend. If you make give space for a friend to grow and shift and change and still be present and, and find a way to be present for each other, even if there's time and distance from the last time you talked, that um, you will still have them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the other side. And the other side doesn't have to be the other side of something bad. It could be just the other side of just like uh, sort of different metamorphosis or change that they went through or you went through. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just that these, that friendships and relationships in general are not fixed and that um, there's a lot of value in having multiple um, dear ones in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I completely agree. I'm very lucky that I have a lot of those. Yeah. Um, I feel very, yeah, just incredibly lucky. Um, last question mm-hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. Name two people who you think I don't know, mm-hmm. who you think I should know, mm-hmm. uh, that I would probably get along with. Because mm-hmm. you know us both. You are the connector. You are the mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, give me two names. And then uh, I will communicate with them. Mm-hmm. And ask them to be on this show. Um, first one that comes to mind is my friend Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he is witty and smart and humble and uh, I know that he did study writing way, way back. Um, and so he has that appreciation. I think that you would value his sense of humor a lot. I think the two of you would really click there. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that um, I can see qualities without, you know, elaborating too much in consideration of time. I can see qualities that the two of you have that you would appreciate in the other. Um, and then the... second person... Um, is Bernardo, who, um, I, who is very intelligent Mm -hmm. and he's from, he's from Spain. He has a good sense of humor. I think that the two of you would again connect around humor and also the fact that both of you can talk about like almost any, you are avid readers and are also interested in talking about a range of topics um, and an exchange of ideas. And I think that he has a different perspective than potentially many of the friends that you surround yourself mm-hmm. with. And so mm-hmm. I think that that would be really valuable. And he's also new to San Jose. Mm. So I think that that friendship would could be also very valuable for him in that way. Yeah, what yeah. a great opportunity. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, I look forward to meeting both of them. Yeah. Where's Corey based? Texas. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's that's a, a, a phone call. Yeah. Um, but Bernardo and Bernardo, yeah, he's funny. He's smart. He's he's mm-hmm. a really good human. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I think about when I thought about lists and friends of mine, I thought, oh, well, of course, I'm really good human, really good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Corinne, I love you. I love you, too. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you to my friends and family for appearing on these episodes. I love you. And thank you to Ben Henderson for the music in this episode. New episodes of Over Social will be available to my Patreon subscribers on Thursdays and on Mondays everywhere else. Follow me on Instagram at MightyMikeMcGee and at MightyMikeMcGee.com. And please, have a great day. Stop.